Gotcha. Hey, let me start over real quick. I screwed up. I had us muted off the bat. I thought I unmuted us. I pressed the unmute buttons, but I looked at my phone and everyone's like, hey, uh, they can't hear anybody. What's going on? Nobody's talking. So episode 32, everybody. Okay, so <laughs> Caleb McCumber talking big trout. Out there, I said some really brilliant stuff in the past 45 <laughs> things, seconds. We can probably never get back. We're never going to get it back. Things he will not repeat. <laughs> But guys, this is episode 32 of Eastern Current. I'm doing this for the podcast because it's going to be annoying to edit this. Um, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Caleb McCumber for coming on. It's 80 degrees in Texas today, and it's going to be 40 tomorrow. And we're just talking about trout. So here we go. All right, take it away. You got another question? Where are we? <laughs> I'm yeah. all flustered now. No, no, sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, tell us tell us a little bit about what it's like to fish in Texas because I'm sure it's a lot different than. Here in North Carolina, I mean, it, we spoke a little bit earlier, but I, I maybe dive into how much shallow water there is and, and where these trout live. Yeah. So the wintertime in Texas is typically what we're getting is four or five days of just cold, cold weather, which down here to us, cold, cold weather is in the 40s. You know, mm -hmm. if it's in the 30s, the young and the weak won't survive down here. But so... The pattern that I really like to get on here is whenever it's been cold for multiple days, whenever it starts to warm, the the trout will kind of climb up out of the deeper water and they're going to get on the flats. They're going to get in the shallow, knee-deep stuff, thigh-deep stuff, and they're going to be soaking up the sun. The ambient temperature above the water is getting warmer. And so the, the trout will move up there more in numbers to where you have a better shot at at finding them and locating them. Um, one thing I hear very often is, man, is you know, it's 30 degrees outside and raining. We need to be fishing. Well, there's no time you can't catch fish, but whenever it's when it's that cold and everything's stunned, I feel like the better options are whenever it's warming up and they're they're moving up into that waiting area. Mm -hmm. Do you see that play play out more in the big trout as well? Like uh, uh, apart from the smaller fish, the big trout follow those trends a little bit tighter. Almost more so, really. Yeah. Um, a, a big trout doesn't it doesn't move a lot. It doesn't put out a lot of energy. So a, a big trout is going to move from where it absolutely has to be when it's cold, being that deeper, muddier stuff, to where it absolutely needs to be when it's warming, being up on that flat. And so they're going to climb up there and they're going to sit there, and that's what they're going to do. They're not they're not running around and burning a bunch of energy like these little guys are. Yeah. They're going to move from the warm feel good spot to the shallow this is where food is going to be brought to me whether it be tide wind or, or anything like that there's a, a big fish doesn't put very much wasted effort it's is i mean it's the law of nature they have to put in more calories than they put out mm -hmm. yeah so it, it as soon as i started thinking that way is whenever i saw my numbers really shoot up for sure so tell me this how many how many fish over 27 inches have you caught? Two? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I put a third one on the wall the other day. Uh, to be dead honest with you, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know I've got, I've got, you know, I think four over 30. Um, I don't put – length isn't my thing anymore. It's weight. I still haven't broke 10 pounds. I mean, I can sit here like a man – I consider like a man and admit that I've caught a nine and a half pounder. And when I put it on Facebook, I called it a nine and a half pounder. There you go. It was not 10, but, uh, but I, over 27, I mean, I'm in a target rich environment down here. Yeah. You know, it, and when, it, when we catch a 27 it's it's cool. It's great, but it's almost a bummer because it wasn't it's so 31, close to you know, 30, but it's not there. Yeah. I mean, shame, shame on me for being that way. I'm not the only one. But there's there's been a lot over 27 and and, uh, you know, the, the the topic of the of the show is what most of those fish came on. Right. Right. Yeah. I think we should I think we should jump into that. Um, so I, I, I have not done much fishing at all with a Corky or with the Paul Brown lure. I've owned some. I've, they've set my taco box and kind of gotten jacked up for the most part. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the start of you starting to fish these kind of like figuring out, Hey, this is a productive lure. Take us through your quirky journey. <laughs> if you will, well, you're really quirky journey. 
Well, first things first, they're like a boat. You can't let them sit. If you let them sit in your tackle box, they're going to get absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Don, dish soap and brush, and you're back at it, brother. Sweet. Sweet. Um, the, the, the quirky, I was very lucky to, years ago when I, when I got started, an old man took me under his wing and, and taught me all this stuff. But the quirky lure, it's uh, down here, it's somewhere between a myth and a legend. There is not a single big trout fisherman in the state of Texas that does not have way more of these fellas than they should. I mean, if I, if, if I sold it all of mine today, I could probably pay off my truck. Holy moly. Um, and the, the, leg, the, the story behind the quirky is absolutely amazing. And since a lot of people don't know it, you know, um, we could run through that right now. Yeah, let's go. Um, so what it was is there was a fellow named Paul Brown, and, you know, he had a regular job like everybody else and, and, you know, worked his days. And he would go down to the bait stand and buy a bucket of shrimp like everybody else did in the 70s and 60s, you know, and, and go out and go fishing. Well, they went out one day and there was a there was, you know, weather or something, whatnot, it shut the shrimping down. So they there was one company back then that made a plastic stick shrimp tail. <clears throat> so they got it, they they didn't really like it, they decided to make their own. Well you could buy a plastic um, do it your own bass worm rig, you know, a big old long lake worm. Yeah. And and build your own there. So it came with a hot plate a tin to melt the melt the plastic in some plastic and some dye well they used the molds they kind of they weren't that great either and paul was an expert with the pocket knife and whittling things so he made a little plastic shrimp tail uh, he used them for a while and people were seeing them catch fish on them and and uh the people said well where can i buy those at and paul said well i haven't really thought about selling one but i'll make you some and i'll sell them to you so the fellow buys the shrimp from him, and back then, and once again, this is the early 70s, the big King Kong saltwater fishing tournament down here was the GCCA tournament. Well, the fellow takes Paul's shrimp tails and wins it, so all of a sudden now Paul's name is on the map. Mm-hmm. A little while later, a fellow comes along and he says, hey, can you make me a plastic topwater? And Paul says, uh, well, you know, let me see what I can do. And in fact, I have that topwater here. What? <laughs> it's good to know it's good to be friends with Paul y'all so the, the guy says I mean it's not the exact one but it is the model then there's only Paul told me there's three of these out there um, Paul says well let me see what I can do so he gets to play with plastic and he uses corks like out of a wine bottle because there wasn't commercial synthetic cork back then you used cork from you know Taiwan or you know wherever yeah, it was it yeah. came from and so he, he he molded plastic around the mold of a um of a head and spook and he comes out with this guy which the quirky that everybody knows today looks like that so you're not going to find many that are you know it's got a cork this long in it and it's a you know it's a big spook topwater so he comes out with that and he does well with it and it and it eventually evolves you know people saw it they started buying it <laughs> he makes quite a few they get popular well then a fellow named Jim Wallace catches the state record uh, trout and lo and behold, it is on one of Paul Brown's original quirkies. And from there, I mean, it just, boom, Paul's in his garage. It's a full-time job. He's he, he, he's selling, I, I can't tell you how many of these lures, but every fisherman in Texas knows where Paul Brown's garage was. Uh, the funny story about Paul is, is he would only accept cash in that garage. And so when I went there, shoot, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I'm... At 15 years ago, I'm 20 years old, I guess, 21 or something. I walk in there and uh, I said, Mr. Brown, I'd like to have some of your quirkies. He said, well, you can have as many as you want, son. I said, you know, I don't I don't have any cash, but I, I brought a checkbook, if that's okay. He said, son, you can have as many of these lures as you want, but you need to take yourself down to that ATM and then come back and talk to me. <laughs> and, you know, everybody, everybody's got their own. I didn't have cash for Paul's story. But that's where it went. So he, he came out with the, the originals, which is very similar to this guy that I just showed you, but yeah. but but shorter. Um, I don't have, well, let's just keep on getting off into this thing. Uh, I like that little shadow box back there. 
Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm completely rearranging it for you. <laughs> I've got stuff in here that I'm not even going to pull down, man. He made chuggers, poppers, all kinds of crazy stuff that he only made a couple of, and they didn't really take off. But this was the this was the original quirky. Hold it up just um, a little bit higher towards the center. There you go. Oh, or a little bit higher. Away a little bit. There you go. Perfect. How's that? That's perfect right there. So it's a little skinny guy. It's got some little fins on the tail here. So enter Jim Wallace, and he took one of these out and catches our state record trout, which still holds today. There's a little bit of debate what, in there. What is that Another record? fella caught a Don't give me the line. Come on, <laughs> somebody Google it. Um, somebody that's watching, Google it and, and throw it in the comments. Yeah, so somebody let us know. It's 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 very large. I want to say I want to say 15 pounds. Um. But anyway, yeah, somebody, somebody, somebody watched Google that. Jim Wallace, Texas state record. Uh, he caught it. He caught it in the Corpus Christi area. I, I want to say it's somewhere around 15 pounds. It may have been 17. I can't remember, but I want to say 15 because I think 17 is the United States record, United States record. out of Indian, out of the Indian Lagoon in Florida. Gotcha. So anyway, so he makes that, and then along comes the devil, which is this fella, and it is still sold. It's still sold in stores. It's got a single treble hook on it. Can you see that okay? Yep, yep, we got it good. It's got a single treble hook on it and this little tail. And this guy kind of cuts through the water like you're working a soft plastic. He's got a mind of his own. He darts and wobbles and dips and dews. And it's, it's a really cool, this is a really cool lure. They make a smaller one and a bigger one of this. Then along comes the quirky fat boy, which is by and far the most popular Paul Brown lure out there. What do you think makes the Fat Boy the popular one? I think the profile. profile. I mean, this is the this is the. I mean this this guy right here is about three inches long. He's uh he's a similar profile to what we would call a finger mullet down here. Um, and I'll get into a little bit more later about all the things you can do with this guy versus the other ones. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so Paul made the lures. Mira Lure ended up buying him out close to 10 years ago now. And then so Mira Lure started reproducing them. They started making their own mark of them. And, and here we are today. But what I see a lot on the quirky and, 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 and what I want to talk about today is if you can go on the Internet and there's 10,000 questions about what to do with this lure. Yeah. How, how, how do you throw it? How fast do you do it? How slow do you do it? And to be dead honest with you, before we get into any of this, there is not a wrong way to work a quirky. <laughs> that needs to be their catchphrase. Really, that's been my catchphrase for five years. Yeah. There is not a wrong way to do it. I have videos on Facebook where I, I kid you not, if you go on if you go on an internet site right now and say, How do I work a quirky fat boy? Nine out of ten answers say, when you think you're working it slow, you work it slower. <laughs> Which is, I'm, I'm, there, there's times that that counts. But I have, I put a video up on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I'm holding my rod and I'm going, just, I mean, just shaking as hard as I can. And I'm doing it as a joke, just messing around. Dude, I caught two five pound trout back to back doing that. <laughs> so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, is what do the fish want today, right? Right. As long as your quirky isn't barrel rolling through the water. And popping out the top, as long as it looks somewhat like a fish moving through the water, there is not a wrong way to do it. In the wintertime, my my approach whenever I get out of the boat with this guy, first thing I do, when you get him out of the package, and let this let me know whenever you can see it good, Justin. Yeah, we got it. All right, so look, the first thing I do when I get it out of the package, I bend the tail down to where it's sitting at about a 45-degree kick right there uh -huh. okay and then i take the nose and i bend the nose down to where it's got a real good real good slope to it and the reason i'm doing that is when i'm working it through the water i want it to kick up like this and i want the hydraulics of the water to help me keep this lure down okay hmm. okay if you straighten out the tail if you straighten out the tail straighten out the nose it's going to work fairly flat through the column. And if you twitch on it a little bit too much, it's going to start coming to the top over and over and over. 
In the same sense, if you're in real <coughs> shallow water, you can actually kick the tail up. Let me grab one that's a little bit easier to work with here. You can actually kick the tail up to where the hydraulics of the water are going to make it come up for you. Up a little bit. Right? Yeah. So first thing I'm going to do, because I'm typically in thigh to, to waist deep water, I'm going to bend it down, bend it down where it does what it does. I'm going to throw it out there. And the sink rate on these things, they, they vary on the salinity of your water, right? Yep. So just drop it down in front of you right there whenever you're out of the boat and see what the sink rate is. How long does it take this lure to fall? One foot. So down here, it's about a second a foot. So if I'm in four feet of water, I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to let it fall for two and a half seconds because I want it to be two foot deep. And then it's exactly like working a top water, but this thing is underwater. So it's uh, the song that's in my head is that, uh, 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 staying alive. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm just, just giving it this. I'll give it anywhere between three and seven. I like three because it's a CD number. I like seven because it's God's number. So if I'm in a tournament, I'm using God's number a lot. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so I, I, I'm giving it that. I'm giving it that twitch, and then I'm letting it sit and sink a little bit. Okay. Okay. When these guys sink, they're gonna kind of give it a little wobble like this. Nine out of ten times when you get smoked, it's on that sink. So the twitch, whenever you're working it, is doing just like a topwater. It's doing this number right here. Okay. And then you stop it. And it sinks. Nine out of ten times, whenever it gets whacked, it is on that stop and sink. <clears throat> so I'll do that, I'll do that quite often. So I'll start out with that, you know, stand alive, Mary had a little lamb, whatever cadence, you know, that is. If I'm not getting hit on it, then I might do the if I think I'm working it slow, work it slower. If it's summertime and the water's hot, I'm humming this thing. It's right, it's this far of the water and it's yeah, yeah. Um and, and that so that's a really good starting point with this lure and it works. It works with several of them. This is the soft dine mirror lure created this one after they bought it from Paul. And this guy, you really can't bend it or manipulate it at all. It's just like a uh, mirror dine, but it, it's soft rubber. Okay. Like a quirky. Is. You can drop this guy down and work it the exact same way. But I mean, it's, it's just doing this little number underwater. It's uh, it's a brilliant. They're brilliant lures. Yeah, they, they really, really are. are. It's uh. Um, I, I was watching something online, a video. I think it was someone from Mirror Lure, and he was saying like what you were saying. Like initially, they were trying to create a top water, but it didn't work, right? and then it became like an underwater top water. They realized it worked well. It's just cool, and I feel like a lot of people here are like, "Oh, are you talking about that soft plastic, you know, Mirror Lure?" But it really does have a different action than a Mirror Lure. I mean, there's some similarities to an underwater, but but it works way different. I would I would feel like there there yeah there's similarities but it, it does work differently. It's softer, so I feel like when the trout grabs it, he's gonna hold on to it better. Now you you brought up that they were working on a top water and didn't quite pan out. This guy here, this is still the quirky fat boy, but this red uh, gill that's on it. Yeah. I can't tell if my light's messing it up. No, yeah, this red you. gill that's on it here that indicates that it's a floater. Okay, this guy has a much bigger cork in it, and in the perfect world, it's going to drop about this far under the water, and as long as you're moving it, it's going to stay there. This is your knee-deep or less lure. Um, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but a lot of tournaments were won in Texas on this guy. Yeah. The fat boy is great. It catches a lot of big fish. Like I said earlier, the big, the big fish, they like to get up on those flats. In certain situations, you can fish this a lot slower, put it in front of their face, and you know, give them the old dangle until they get mad and bite it. Better so than you. This can. This yeah. is going. This is going to stay right in their face a lot longer. Keep it in the bite zone. This, this fat boy has a rattle in it. The floater does not. They've taken all the weight out of it. It's just cork and hooks. That's all it is. Gotcha. But this guy is a weapon. Um. The other thing that, that, that I see a lot is um, people are trying to get their action out of their quirkies to simulate what the bait is doing for their given time of year. Okay. okay. In the summertime, I use a medium rod with a fast action. So when I'm twitching it, 
is really darting that quirky around. It's jerking it, right? Yep. In the wintertime, I go to a medium light, moderate action rod that has hardly any snap to it at all. And so what that's doing is instead of this guy darting around all crazy like a summertime bait fish, now he's kind of just wobbling and stunned looking a like a wintertime bait yep. fish. Yeah, I mean, this is a very easy lure to overthink, but at the same time, just sit back and, and think, you know, just think about what's happening around you and what would it take to make this thing do the same thing. For sure. Right? It seems like such a yeah, versatile it, shallow water lure. I mean, you can get yeah. every presentation you want off of, out of it. Yeah, I mean, let me show you my waiting box. This thing right here, this is what I take out on the daily. I've got two things of plastics here that have probably been in it for, I don't know, four months. And everything else is corkies. <laughs> I mean, you can do anything you want with these guys, right? right? That's, that's the beauty of them, is there's any given situation. The only time I personally don't like them is fishing out of the boat in deeper water. Just because usually you're drifting, the boat is moving towards the lure, and it's harder to to give that lure the action that I want it to have. Sure. Uh, one thing I will do out of the boat is I'll get these devils and put I'll put a nail in them, or sometimes I'll get um, silver solder and wrap it around this uh, base right here where I can get a good quick sink out of it, and I'll work this guy just like just like you would work a soft plastic. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And that it can be it can be quite successful. Yeah, those devils well. are super cool. Um, I just remembered. Yeah. I'm gonna do it, take a quick little break, real quick. I forgot we're giving away tickets tonight to the the Inshore Institute, which is uh, New Server Bait and Tackles. Um, let me switch over to my camera. New Server Bait and Tackles uh, seminar that they've got going on this weekend. So if you want to win those tickets, why we're uh, why we're here live, just share this broadcast, and afterwards we're gonna pick a random. Um, the person who shared the broadcast and we're going to, we'll get up with you and we'll give you those, uh, free tickets to the insurance Institute. a bunch of great guides from this area speaking, um, up in Newburn or, or around, or I think it's in Newburn. Yeah. Up, but up, up around the Noose river and, uh, going to be a great time, a lot to learn. So share this broadcast for us and, uh, you got a chance to win. We're going to get back to talking fishing. Though. I was just so flustered right there <laughs> at the beginning. I completely forgot to do that, but, but, um, well, cool. So let's talk a little bit about colors of these baits. So. There's so many different colors, and, and what, what colors do you like to throw in what conditions, and, and is there just a, is there one color? You know, there's some baits, like the DOA shrimp. Yep. For me, there's one color. Like, I don't care what the conditions are. There's one color. But Okay, so first things first, Texas State Record Trout, 13.69 pounds, 33.1 inches by Joe Wallace on the court. I got it. I, that break would give stuff away is all I needed. <laughs> so... The number one thing that, 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 I, that I think about any lure is there's no substitute for putting it in front of their face. Yeah. Right? Zero. Presentation that being is said, the most important. That being said, I do have a handful of go-to colors. Um, this orange tequila sunrise is my absolute favorite one out there. It's a dream. I don't know what it is. Yeah, right? Tequila sunrise. I just make, you know. Enter the steel drums here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the orange works well in dirty water, in clean water, sunny skies, and 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 dreary skies. Quite honestly, um, some of these other quirkies, I, I have a baseline to win off their own. But the, the, this orange seems to really be a year-round. I mean, a you know anytime thing. Now, if the water's dirty, 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 uh, as with anything a top water, anything like that, I will throw a something with a contrasting vertical line on it that that seems to to work well in dirty water okay um my favorite my favorite in a in a dreary overcast day though is almost always going to be something that's kind of dark i want something that that's uh going to contrast well against the sky if the sky is you know gray i want something dark darker than that sky is when they're looking at it right um if the if it's clear and clean and pretty, then you know I like something I like something kind of flashy where it's going to pick up the sun and it's going to you know it's just going to kind of it's going to glow underwater give it, you know for lack of a better term for sure. Um, but my my favorite one, quite honestly, is that orange one. Uh, they make one. 
This is my everyday. I can't get it out of the bag because it's stuck from being in the pocket of my jacket. <laughs> this is my everyday. If there's any clouds in the sky, the first thing I throw every single day is the red shed. I mean, it's got the it's got the red flashy sides. You can see the new Mirror Lure Pro Series has a foil in there. That's what's shining back at you right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got the red side with a little bit of flash to pick up the sun, but then it's got the black back. Um. Nine out of ten times when we're out looking for trout in the wintertime, we're on a dreary, cloudy sort of conditions. And so this guy right here, this I mean, this lure just really shines. I, I like it. Yeah, no, that's no, like no pun intended. No pun intended. But any, anyway, uh, you know, if it's bright outside, something that's kind of glittery and shiny. If it's dark outside, something that's dull and dark. You yeah, know, that, matching, that seems to be the general. Matching the conditions for the most part. Right. I mean, that's the easiest way to think about it, in my in my opinion. Definitely. Um, so I, I've heard – there's some uh, – first off, what's the best place? Like if someone wants to go order some corkies or buy some corkies from here, uh, what's the best place to do that? Uh, I would assume that either, you know, Academy Sporting Goods website, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, Lures website. Okay. Now, the corkie I just showed you – you cannot buy this in a store. They Mirror Lure makes a red shad that looks like that like this, but it doesn't have the foil in it. Okay. Okay. This lure is is Mirror Lure's new Pro Series Quirky, and it's weighted slightly differently. the The older Quirkies, when they fill, their butt would kind of drop, and they do this. They weighted these differently, where they're going to keep a nice level fall. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of success on these lately. To get these colors. Um, Anglers Anonymous is where I get mine at. They're, they're a local shop. Yeah, they're a local shop here in town, but they will ship. Um, you can find them on, on, on Instagram, Facebook. You know, I think at anglersanonymoustexas.net, I believe, is their, 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 their um, website. But if you want colors like this, uh, hit me up on Facebook or you know, hit you up. Somebody get what color you're wanting from me. I can get with Mike and make it happen. They'll okay. ship them to you. Cool. It's, it's no big deal. Um, but That's what it sounded I like. There's the, like some custom colors around from different shops and stuff down in Texas you can get your hands on. Or is the, oh, man. Uh, it, this is big business in Texas. Yeah. People are buying, buying these blanks and painting them up, all these crazy wild colors. I mean, how beautiful is this thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to see this. You got to see it in the water. And this is some, you know, some guy sitting at his house painting them up and, and you know, slapping a little bit of his money on the top of it, and and, and people are ordering. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't have a lot of them. This this silver and pink and gold. Uh, I found this is a great color for South Texas. Yeah, that looks good. And what, what paint are they using? Do you know when they're painting them up? Man, I think it's one of those things. If you figured out, they 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 kill you and throw you in a ditch. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I probably, don't want, you probably don't want to tell. Them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's an air an airbrush with yeah. uh, some clear coat. Now I talked to Steve yesterday, and he is Paul Brown's son. Yep. And Steve made the comment to me that a lot of people in North Carolina have been ordering product from Steve. Steve makes these guys. This is a broken back quirky. He you know he dances. It, it Steve makes all kinds of crazy colors. I think he's Steve's lures on Facebook. But he told me that these are quite popular in North Carolina. So, I mean, that's another outlet. Um, I will say that this one, I don't work at anything like the Fat Boy. This one's more of a throw it out there and drag it. But there's another avenue to, you know, find your soft suspending bait. So do you kind of work that one like a paddle tail? Yeah, that, this one, I really think that it shines in cold, cold water. And I'll actually throw it out, let it sink a good while because I want it close to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just kind of give it a drag and every once in a while I might give it a pop. But it's just a drag and a pop. It's not so much of the. There, there's so much. There's so much going on back here that I think it kind of fouls up the walking the dog mm-hmm, thing. Gotcha. Or maybe I just don't. Right, but that's what that's what I see in my in my experience with it. That's really interesting. And to me I that, was. That, sorry to interrupt you. It's just really interesting to me that you work those um, those a lot of those baits like topwaters. Yeah. I never would have thought yeah, that. Well, well, I mean, like it's the same hydrodynamics. Is that a word, or did I just make it up? I think it's a hydrodynamics. Word for sure. <laughs> hydrodynamics. You yeah, I'm probably using anyways. it incorrectly, but I, I like it here. <laughs> but it's just, it's the same idea, though. You know, you're 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 pulling it, 
And then whenever you let it go and give it space, that momentum's coming coming to you, and then the water's turning it. Mm-hmm. And so when you pull it again, you jerk it the other way. So at the end of the day, it's doing the exact same thing. It's just underwater. Yeah, I feel like a mirror lure would prob- probably do that too. Or, or Well, not a jerk bait, but a mirror lure. Like if you just sit there and twitch, 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 yeah. you'd probably be jumping back and forth a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I've, as never, long as I've never tried a mirror lure like that. Yeah, I haven't I'd, either. I'd, I haven't fished one that fast. I'd Usually like it's try. twitch. Yeah, it twitch. Let it sit. Twitch, twitch. 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 Yeah. So I know a mirror dyno do it. The mirror dyno do it. Yeah. Anything lipless and it's tied to the nose and it's trying to suspend some, a catch five, catch two thousand. Yeah. You know, oh, anything where you're just yeah. you're just giving oh, it that pressure off the front, it should do it. Right on. Do you uh do you change the hooks out on those often or are you pretty much fishing with what they come with? I use um unfortunately I'm lazy and I get rust on my hooks. But the hooks they come with are great hooks. Uh, to replace them, I use a number four BMC round bend treble. Okay. And that is pretty well an identical hook to what comes on it. I prefer maybe like a one X or something so that whenever I hunt, whenever I hang up this eight to $15 little baby on a oyster reef, I can straighten out this hook and get it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it, if you try to use it, if, I mean, if you don't have any reefs, great. Use, use some strong hooks, but down here, I like something I can straighten out. Do you use a, do, do you, like I call it a Rapala knot that I use on topwaters or, or I like guess a loop, a loop knot. Yeah, yeah. Is that, do you use that sort of knot on those to get the more motion in the lures or are you just tying it straight onto the circle? I use a loop knot very often. Um, I like to use a 30 pound fluorocarbon leader and it's usually, I don't know, two or three foot long. I like the fluorocarbon because it does not have stretch in it. So whenever I feel that little tick, you know, I can set the hook and there's, there's no mm-hmm. wasted motion in there. Um, yes, a, a loop knot. It, I definitely use a loop knot when I'm using that. Do I think that it is necessary to use a leader? Maybe if you're in crystal clear water, I use a leader for two reasons. One, whenever I'm casting it, it keeps the braid out of the split rings. Mm-hmm. And yeah. two, every time I on a lure, I'm not losing three inches of braid. Um I've thrown these things tied on direct with braid. I caught a trout uh, a couple of days ago. There was an eight and a half pound. I don't know. It wasn't 30 is all I know is 28 to 30, somewhere in there. And I was tied directly on with braid, uh, 30 pound suffix. So the braid is so loose and limber that it doesn't really seem to hinder the action of the lure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, a, a leader, a lot of people do it all the time. I've, the, I've seen so many big fish caught by other people um and then some by myself with straight braid that i don't feel like it is an app to. Yeah. yeah for sure if you are uh, if you are fishing with a leader are you using fluorocarbon and and what uh what uh yeah size yes. fluorocarbon are you using 30 pound uh, uh 30 pound fluorocarbon is what i use almost all the time i use 20 pound mono for a long time and whenever I went to the fluoro, I did my hookups were just a little bit more solid. You know, like I said, I wasn't getting that stretch in there. I run a really light drag whenever I'm fishing for trout. So the need for the stretch in the mono really isn't even, it, it, the need isn't there. My reel gotcha. is doing that work. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's crazy. We fish, I mean, this time of year I'm fishing like 12, 12. pounds yeah. later for trout. <laughs> you just can't get away really? with it. Even our dirtier water areas get so clear this time of year and, I think you could probably get away with 20, but you, you know, you don't want to miss that fish. But well, at the same time, I've talked to so many people that even a clear water catch fish with just a lure tied straight to braid. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you can easily get away with the 20 pounds, you know, maybe even 15 pound fluoro. Cause like I said, once again, we're fishing really light drags, but we also fishing a lot of shell. So I have to have something that's going to fight be, being cut by shell is, yeah. is one of the reasons I'm using heavier, yeah. heavier leader. Makes sense. Are you finding your fish down there? Like, are they pretty oyster bed oriented? Like, is a lot of the fishing done around those oyster beds, or, or will you find them like way out in the mud, on a mud flat by themselves? Uh, either way, yeah. but I'll tell you this: yeah. if I can find a mud flat with a shell pad on it, that's your spot. Then, then, then we're cooking. Yeah, um, you know, down here in this base system that I'm in, we have little to almost no grass. There are not a lot of um, ecological structures that are that are holding these fish. So what we have to hold them 
is you know the shell pads that are holding some bait yeah. and whatnot yeah. you know of course we'll make the death marches you know seven miles across mud flats and sand and stuff and find fish there they're usually sitting in a little depression or on a little hump but but yeah shell shell can be a really big key this time of year for us see i feel like these lures would play such a big not maybe around here about around Wrightsville beach and whatnot but such a big uh a big part in the you know the new river the noose yeah. the pamlico like all these areas that that are going to fish a lot like Texas, these larger water estuaries with less tide, mm-hmm. big shallow flats. Because, like, when Caleb's describing uh, the areas he's fishing, it, I, I think, you know, it sounds just like the New River or just like the Noose River um, where these fish are sitting in these deep holes on these colder days and then sliding up on these flats. I mean, we were catching fish on top water in two and a half feet of water yeah. two weeks ago. And so I feel like that, that mirror or the, the corky would be a great a great bait in those scenarios. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd love to try it out in the fall when there's just the trout are really thick yeah and just see if there's a way you can work it work in, it in the current yeah yeah like why why would there not be and maybe some of the heavier ones you were talking about Caleb was talking about you were saying adding some weight to it um where you can so, probably get a little action in some current so these lures are, are they're five eights by nature okay. is what they weigh um there's we'll take some silver solder and wrap it around right here where the split ring is connected at yeah you, and then I'll, I'll do it evenly on both of them to keep it balanced. And then I've actually seen guys take, you know, finishing nails and shove them in the in the nose here. I've heard of, and correct me correct me here if you know the answer because I'm not a bass fisherman. Is it Carolina rigging where you put the weight way out in front of it and then peg it? Yep. Or is that Texas? That's rigging? Carolina rigging. If it's out in front pegged, it's Carolina rigging. Texas, it'll slide up to the to the front of the bait. So I've heard of people Carolina, Carolina rigging these little really? rascals to get them down. Yes. Um, you said something that kind of sparked me there. Whenever there's a cross current happening, I really like to throw these guys to where the, you know, if they're coming back this way, the current is coming across them. Gotcha. Cause I want them coming to me, but getting, getting swept like a little fish would be. Yeah. I don't love throwing them directly down current and trying to bring it to me. And if you've got, a, if you got much current, like I know you guys have over there, if you throw it directly up current, you're going to be reeling like crazy to yeah, get it back to you. It, mm-hmm. For sure. But, but uh, uh, 45 degrees to the wind, 45 degrees to the current is always uh, you know a good way to fish these yeah, things. Yeah, about that swing. Yeah. All about the swing. Yeah. Right. It seems like, too, the, the, the way you were talking about if you had a fishing current where you're bending the nose down a little bit, kind of giving it that lipless crankbait effect could be a great way in the current, right. too, you know, to keep it down there a little bit. Um, but we do have a lot of, of estuaries here that, that fish like Texas do. I mean, not to that very, they're productive. I, I wouldn't say as productive as Texas for big trout, but very similar styles of fishing where you're fishing a lot of shallower water, um, big stretches of shallow water with small little deeper areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I think that th- there's a, there's definitely a home for those, those baits up here that, that I'm excited to, to tap into this spring. I can tell you, I'm going to be throwing a corky a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I would. I would love to hear the the reports of you guys fishing a lure up there that those fish haven't necessarily seen a lot of, yeah. and the success rate you have with it. You know, down down here, a, a fish watching a corky swim by. You know, that's kind of like walking out in front of your house and watching a car drive by. They they see them all day long. But <laughs> right. I'd be very. And the reason I say that is I've seen the colors evolve over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, five years ago, if you weren't throwing a pink corky, you'd lost your mind. <laughs> years ago if you weren't throwing a pearl one you've lost your mind now lately there's you know purple shades and stuff that and and but you 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 quit seeing success on the pink and started seeing success on the white and quit seeing success on the white and started and so it makes me wonder if the fish you know maybe i'm overthinking this but if the fish are like you know what that thing's bad you know know, i I don't know but but i've seen the colors the successful colors change and i would love to see what what results you guys see up there whenever it's a lure they haven't seen a lot of yeah definitely i think that i mean i'm a firm believer of fish get smart for sure i mean we've got to think that or or they'd probably all be gone um and and i think about trout fishing like freshwater trout fishing where when i used to guide out in montana there was one guy who was a sick fly tire that i that i floated with a lot and worked with and um he would smoke everybody, but he was a really good fly tire, and he would change little things, little color. I mean, on tiny little nymphs and dry flies, um, and he would catch more fish than everybody else. And I, I really think that having that little change can can be uh, can be a pretty productive yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, especially like here, 
you know, in the in the fall when it's really good and it, more people start fishing every day and yeah. the same spots are getting hit like multiple times a day or there's five boats lined up on one bank, but there's a lot of trout there. And then you go there, you know, the next week and you're like, man, this spot wasn't, isn't as hot as it oh, was. Oh. Um, I mean, th- changing up lures, you know, that could, that could always help you be a little more productive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm excited. I'm not excited about the price of the, of the Paul no. Brown lures, but that's something I'll have to get over. I'm gonna, I can't buy them right now. I'm pretty broke right now. If y'all want to go fishing, please <laughs> shoot me a text. Give me a call. But uh, I might have to start buying my uh, my corkies when it starts warming up a little um, bit and start fishing some more. Well, I think we only got like 10 more minutes, but there was one thing that I really wanted to get into yeah. before yeah. we before we get off, and that's the fact that you guys are waiting to these fish, um, which I think is extremely interesting because it's something you really don't do here that often mm-hmm. or pretty rarely. So, like, when you are going out, uh, do you just see a spot that looks good and you're like, all right, get out of the boat and start waiting? Or, or do you try and catch some from the boat first and then start yeah. waiting? Uh, a true Texan would never respect, respect with respect for himself, try to catch a trout from the boat first. There you go. Man card so and fishing card. Um, no, what, what we're looking for is... You know, obviously, the first thing is a depth that's, you know, weightable. But we'll pull up and, and look at a flat, look at a drain, and you're looking, you're looking just like from the boat. You're looking for bait, bait flipping, you know, water movement, anything like that. The I think that the difference between boat fishing and wading isn't necessarily, um, it's not different, different techniques and different styles. It's the fact that I can park that boat a hundred yards away from where these fish are at. I can very slowly, quietly, and methodically work my way up to them. Mm-hmm. I can plant my feet and work an area very well. I have no hole slap, no sound from my boat, no trolling motor. You know, it, it's just it's just stealth mode at a hundred. Um, really, is what I'm seeing a lot of the wade fishing do. And then on, on top of, like I, like I said before, if we can plant ourselves in an area completely inobtrusively and work that area inch by inch by inch. And I've had many days to where I didn't catch a single fish for hours, but the water movement looked right, the color looked right, the bait was there. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stand right here. You know, I, I got here at 6 in the morning. I didn't catch my first fish until 1 o'clock. But from two o'clock to nine o'clock that night, I think in the particular day I'm referencing right now that we had nine over 27 inches. Wow. So it, it, and that's just something you can do weight fishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's really uh, cool. What you're saying is like, I I wish other fisheries had that respect for, you know, the stealthiness and not affecting the fish and kind of stepping into their world as like, as, as inobtrusively as possible. You know, here it's like, you know, whoever's got the trolling, who can get the closest to the spot with your trolling motor and start beating it up. You yep. know? And, and and granted, there's not a lot of great waiting stuff here, but the trout are smart. They're spooky. I've done a lot of like drone filming of trout here this time of year where it's clear. And I mean, a trout will spook from a boat from 40, 50 feet away on a, on a trolling motor, like pretty much every time. Um, closer than that, they're definitely going to spook out of there. But I've even seen trout spook from my drone being like way up in the air. I mean, they're, they're, they're they're very sensitive fish. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, if you're in clear water, you're waiting. You're that much shorter for their line of sight to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that tap 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 on the boat. It, it, there's a guy named Mike McBride on Facebook. He's one of the legend guides in Texas. He has a video on his Facebook, and I welcome anybody to go check it out. Mike McBride from Port Mansfield, Texas. He's got a green light going at his dock. And in that yeah. in that green light, I'll bet you there's 50 trout sitting in it. And he's sitting there watching them, watching them, watching them. And he takes his and this is how hard he did it. They're 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 around a wood pole. He takes his hand and goes like that, and the green light clears in seconds, just from that tap tap on that pole. Oh, I mean, man. these fish, those coral lines are they're they're top in there's a reason they can eat at night and in muddy water because they can feel a shrimp ticking from them five feet away Mm -hmm. 
So all those, all that, all that extra hubbub. If you're trying to catch a, a true big one, then these are things that are working against you. Yeah, we might be laughed at a little bit if we're like up in the New River wading around, but maybe we'd start a, a revolution. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might be sinking up to go find, go find to... a sandbar. I'm sorry, I I, I I couldn't tell you were talking. No, no, you're, no, good, you're good. good. But go with a with a, a drain or something coming. You know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to envision North Carolina here, but I'm seeing a grass line with with you know a little bit of sand to the edge of it, and then a drain coming in, right? Yep. Yep. Um, is that something you guys have up there? Yeah, that's big something high we got a lot of. And there's creeks that I I mean I've I've definitely gotten out and waded for drought before. Mm-hmm. A lot of times because it gets too shallow, you know, you can't get across the bar and. And I, every time yeah. I talk to someone from Texas, like you, about excuse me about trout fishing, I'm like, God, I should. Do, there's so many places that would be effective to wait, actually. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know. Well, and when you're thinking about waiting, put out of your head that I'm getting out on 40 acres of of waiting stuff because where I'm at, there there's some, some areas that are big areas, yeah. but for a lot of the part, we're walking down a shoreline, and if we walk 50 yards towards the middle of the bay. We're up to water here. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not in, you know, a, a tropical, you know, paradise of, of white, you know, sand as far as you can see. Yeah. We're walking down the stuff a lot of the time just like just like you guys would. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That, that, that's good to know because, yeah, I see videos and stuff from down there and it seems like people are just waiting these mass expanses of open water. Um, well, you, yeah. But, you're in different parts of the state. Yeah. There are there are parts where you go 100 miles, but where I'm at, no. And also, I feel like if you get a, around a little bit more structure and, and grass line, you might want to be a little care, more careful with your video. <laughs> you know, you, won't, you wouldn't want to right. be shown quite as much. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's really cool the whole the whole wade fishing thing. Um, it's always more fun, in my opinion, to catch fish with your two feet on the ground. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know why. Like when it, some of the best, most fun days of fishing I've ever had is when a big school of redfish or trout kind of gets caught in a little creek yeah, and you can stand on a sandbar and, oh, it's and awesome. catch them that way. I don't, it's, it's really, really fun. That's super cool. So do you wear your waders? Do you put them on when you get out to wait or are you wearing them out of the house every day and, and or not at your house, but from, from the ramp, this is kind of an odd question, but from the ramp on, <laughs> cause I hate uh, wearing whenever waders. I, <laughs> whenever I, whenever I leave, um, my house there in Matagorda, they're on in the truck to the to the harbor in the boat. Yeah. Um, I, I wear the Sims G4Zs, so oh, the, the, they the big are, money waders, the comfortable ones. Hey, I mean, if you if, even if you're not good, you gotta look good. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, rule number one. I mean, the, I don't care if you're from North Carolina or Texas. You know who Deion Sanders is, and primetime says, "Look good, feel good, feel good, play good." Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, no. So they're they're form fitting. They got a zipper, so you know I'm in yeah. I'm in better shape. Yeah, for sure. I will be honest though. I've caught some darn good fish with my camo Crocs on. <laughs> they're not cool looking, but I'm with you. I'm with but you. They're comfortable. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta look good, feel good. To... You're light on your feet with the Crocs on. <laughs> exactly, nimble, very quiet, <laughs> like a ninja, like a child ninja. Well, sweet. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna dive into or share um, about the corky about your fishery? Well, I mean, the first thing I'd like to say is I, I by no means consider myself an expert. All I'm doing is conveying what, you know, I've spent, you know, more than a decade teaching myself. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there that know a lot of great stuff about it. You know, this is what's worked for me. Um, and but no, uh, tomorrow, whenever I watch this, I'll think of a million things I was supposed to say that probably would have made this a lot more clear. But, uh, you know, I think we, I think we covered it all or no. as much as we possibly could. I think we hour. Yeah, I think we, I think we really did. It's gotten me inspired to, to start fishing a little differently and try some of that stuff out. Well, yeah. tell people if they want to come down there and fish with you, how can they get up with you? Okay. So I am, um, my, my, my Instagram and my, uh, Facebook are both at, uh, Captain Caleb TV, C-A-P-T Caleb TV. Uh, that's how you, that's how you direct at me on, on either of those platforms. If you if you Google Captain Caleb McCumber, uh, you'll you'll find my Facebook, all that kind of stuff. My website is captcaleb.com. Um, what 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 I specialize in, all I do down here is I take people uh, wade fishing with lures, and we we I do I do learning stuff, teaching stuff. Um, I don't do any live bait trips. I don't 
We're not vacationing. We're out there to, my, you know, what I like to tell people is I'm here to help you be better than your friends, which everybody wants to be. <laughs> so, uh, so the fall, spring, and winter, we are waiting, throwing corkies for trout. In the summertime, I've got a mid-tower boat with a big tower on the front of it, and we're sight casting redfish awesome. uh, as long as the weather will allow us. So that, that's what we do. I'm, I'm not hard to find. I have a really weird name, and I'm the only one of them on Facebook. Only Caleb so McCumber on Caleb Facebook. Wow. Just get close. Put Caleb Cucumber in there. It will come up. (laughs) Caleb Cucumber. Cucumber Guide Service is what it should be. (laughs) Well, sweet, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to do it again for sure. And, I mean, we're going to – I'm going to get down there and fish with you at some point. I got a baby on the way that's going to be here uh, at the end of June, so it might be a little while now. But maybe next winter I'll I'll slide down there. And I I just don't have the desire to – I used to guide in Louisiana every winter, but I don't have the desire to go down there anymore. I'm kind of burnt out on the the big bull redfish. (laughs) It might have to be time to come over there and – and target some big trout. So, but yeah, thanks. Come man. play with us. I'll, I'll come. I'll come play with you. I'll come fish with you. Play with. You. I'm not going to come play with you. I'll come fish. With you. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys for for tuning in. Thanks again, Caleb. Uh, this was episode 32. Sorry about the little audio difficulty in the beginning. It's always something, you know. We live and we learn. Um, but next week, hopefully, that won't happen again. You still got a chance. Share this um, on your Facebook. Share this uh, this live stream. And we will give away tickets to the uh, Inshore Institute through New River Bait and Tackle. That is this Saturday. Going to be super awesome. They got C.A. Richardson coming and talking. So that's a it's going to be a, a cool one and a lot to learn. I wish I could go, but I'm going to be out of town. I'll actually be heading to the Florida Keys tomorrow morning. So going to be down there for a week um, fishing with a buddy and doing a little little filming. So looking forward to that. But I will uh, I'll give it a – you got anything to say, Cameron, before we go? I'm going to Texas. You're going to Texas? Yeah, I'm move, to Texas I think I'm going to move there. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, you should get up with Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> Are you actually going to Texas for work? No, oh. no. But when I do, I will definitely hit up Caleb. Do you ever have to go to Texas for work? Uh, probably once a year. Once a year. What probably part? Once a year. Um, Dallas, uh, yeah. Houston. Some big trout in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, huge. Well, cool. I'm 45 minutes from Houston, buddy. You're 45 minutes from Houston. There you go. Yeah, there you sweet. go. Sweet, yep. sweet, sweet. Well, guys, thank you all so much. Share this, and we will see you in the next, or we'll see you next week. Next week. Later. I can't talk.